All right, hey YouTube. So today's video is going to be another in the Hypertrophy Fundamentals series where I'm going to give you my long-standing view on volume, like what I believe in, and that this will stand as an account of everything that I have discovered about volume over the last 20 plus years, my experience with coaching myself and also others. Um, essentially all about volume. This will be my go-to answer if anybody asks me about volume. Now, we're going to start the discussion on volume with looking at how do we actually quantify volume. Now, by going back over the years, initially, we would quantify volume with tonnage. And tonnage was an expression of the weight that was lifted um, times by the sets and reps. And it was an offshoot from Olympic weightlifting. So with the Olympic weightlifts, you have the, the barbell lifts, the quick lifts, variations of the snatch, and the power clean, all that stuff. And typically speaking, each variation was simply a different lift with a barbell. And that was fine for the Olympic lifts because you could count the tonnage, you could correlate a snatch to a snatch pull, you could correlate a clean to a power clean, you could correlate all these things quite well. And so the system worked very well. Now, where that sort of fell down was when we tried to apply that to bodybuilding. I mean, it made sense. It made sense to apply Olympic lifting to then powerlifting to then bodybuilding. However, it fell down quite heavily, especially with bodybuilding because we have the use of machines as well as compound versus isolation exercises. So for example, um, you can't really compare the tonnage of a squat to a leg press. If you do five hard sets of a leg press, you're probably going to use more weight than five hard sets of a squat. But it would be, we would be hard pressed to say that a leg press gives twice as much um, tonnage as a squat, and it's twice as more effective. But if we were to count the weight on the bar, perhaps most people can use twice the amount of weight on a leg press than they can on a squat. So that, for that reason, tonnage falls down in the conversations surrounding how to count volume when it comes to bodybuilding. It's still very applicable when it comes to um, strength sports, particularly Olympic lifting. Now, that was as we rolled across the turn of the century. That's what people were still doing back then, if they were counting volume at all. Most of the time back then, we didn't really count volume. We just had different routines. Some routines were considered to be more challenging. Some routines were considered to be less challenging. And that was really about as far as we discussed volume, really. Now, after that, we had a meta-analysis by Wurmbaum, who's a German researcher, at roughly 2010 or 2009. And he gave some recommendations for hypertrophy based on reps. So rather than tonnage, he moved it one step further and he gave some recommendations based on the total amount of reps per muscle per week, which uh, again was quite an unusual way of looking at things. It was very different from tonnage, but it accounted for the differences between the barbell versus machines versus cables and whatever else and isolations and compounds. So it was a step up. And in some ways, I think it's actually a very valid form of counting repetitions. But clearly there is some issues because if we were to do three all-out sets of squats for five reps, which gives us 15 reps, I think that's going to be a different stimulus than one all-out set of 15. And I think most people would agree with that. Um, I think the three sets of five would be more challenging. Or let's take a bench press. Three by five on a bench press versus a set of 15 on the bench press. I think the fives would give you more. So again, the reps 
had a issue when you were trying to evaluate and compare different rep ranges. So that also wasn't quite, um, it wasn't quite as effective for counting volume. Now, after that, sometime in, I think 2012 to 2014, something along those lines, I think it was Greg Knuckles who came out with the idea of counting hard sets. So the difference here with the previous two was counting useful volume. So he counted sets which were challenging. So in effect, he went away from tonnage completely, and he went away from counting the reps. So in his eyes, three sets of five on the squat versus one set of 15, well, the three sets were roughly three times as much stimulus because it was three times the work because we were counting hard sets. And that is the definition we have sort of fallen into in this era as of current um, recording is 2023. Now, that's not to say where that will end because I think it sounds good right now, but just like Wormbaum's study sounded good in 2009, counting hard sets sounds good now, but I, I don't think it's a perfect system because we get into this conversation of, well, what is hard? And that is a, a different, much longer conversation, which I don't think we have got to the bottom of yet, but there is some research in that area. So stay tuned for that over the next few years. So that is kind of how we're going to count sets. And over the course of this video, you're probably going to hear me reference um, higher volumes, lower volumes, moderate volumes, just as general umbrella terms. I will discuss and give you my recommendations um, across the video as well. But in general, when I'm referring to higher volumes, lower volumes, medium volumes, I'm referring to the number of hard sets per muscle group, usually counted per week, okay? Right, so first question is, how do we know how much to do, how many, how much volume to do in the way that we are counting, which is number of hard sets. So first of all, I would say your first priority before any of this, before the volume discussion is to make sure you're training hard. Like I said in the first video, and if you haven't seen that, go back and watch it. The very first priority is to make sure you're in the right range. You have to be working sufficiently hard to create the right types of adaptations. If you work too heavy and you're doing one or two rep maxes, you'll still get some growth, but you would have to accumulate a ton of volume to get the right um, amount of stimulus to really grow. If you're going too light, well, you're going to have different adaptations. We are right in that middle zone, and I gave a range of about 5 to 15 reps, 5 to 12 reps last time. Taking those sets to failure or close to failure, hard sets within that range is where we need to be percentage-wise in terms of weight on the bar. Now, the question then is, well, how many do we need to do to progress? I'm generally of the thought process that you need to do as much as you need to do to make progress. Okay, now, I know that sounds obvious, but there are, there are complications with that, as I'll explain in a moment. So it sounds very obvious. Just do what you need to do to progress. You would be surprised at how many times I see that message distorted, even subtly, but subtly distorted is still a distortion across YouTube and across Instagram and wherever else. I think the very first fallacy is you'll hear people say, actually, it's not about volume, it's all about recovery. So, bodybuilding is all, they will say falsely, bodybuilding is all about recovery, but that ignores the very obvious point that you need to have the stimulus. If it was all about recovery, we would just be training 
everything for one set every 10 days, which ironically is what Mike Menser was very close to recommending towards the, um, the later stages of his life, a really abbreviated approach. He took it to the extreme. And that is what some people still believe, super, super low volume because they believe it's all about intensity and it's all about recovery, which is patently false, okay? So that it usually comes from low volume advocates. And these same low volume advocates also tend to give the examples of sprinters versus marathon runners. I mean, <laughs> I haven't heard this argument used for a while, but back in the, the early days of the internet, uh, you used to hear some wild arguments and you guys who are coming up over the last 10 years, count yourself lucky because you heard some really crazy stuff in the early days of the internet. People would say things like, well, you wanna train with a low volume because if you look at the muscles of a sprinter <laughs> versus the muscles of a marathon runner, then you'll see the marathon runner looks stringy, whereas the sprinter looks athletic. And they would they would post this on forums with straight faces saying, this is why you need to do low volume and high intensity. They People would posit that as an actual argument in support of low volume, high intensity. Um, but I saw Arnold's high volume workouts and I saw his physique. He didn't look stringy to me. He looked like an absolute tank. In fact, most pro bodybuilders train with high volumes and they look like absolute tanks. Most natural bodybuilders train with moderate to high volumes. And again, they're all very big. So that was the type of argument which you hear. And on a surface level, it makes a bit of sense. You know, if you're not concentrating and if you're not very used to evaluating these arguments, like I wasn't when I was a lot younger and the internet was new, I wasn't really new. I wasn't really used to evaluating these types of arguments which people put together because they have a hint of that might be true. And you think, oh, actually, yeah, fair enough. Picture of a sprinter, picture of a marathon runner. I guess he's right. I must be trained with low volume, very high intensity. But if you really get granular and look at the examples, you realize it's complete nonsense. So those are two ways in which people already break this golden rule of actually do what you need to do to progress. Don't be married to a philosophy. And I want, I, that's really going to be a theme for this video. So that's two ways which usually the low volume advocates are trying to push you towards their religion, their philosophy, and away from just do what you need to do to get results. Okay. So in general, you need to do as much volume as it takes to get results. Now, avoid falling into the trap of fallacies of people who are pushing you towards either very low volume approaches or usually what goes alongside those is very high intensity approaches which usually coincide with some of these really odd argumentations about sprinters and marathon runners. And they usually have a hint of an appeal to authority, like citing famous low volume advocates over the years like Dorian Yates, or they appeal to your masculinity and saying, well, you just got to have the cojones to work hard and anyone could do lots of volume, but actually you need to work hard. So avoid those emotional arguments because they are taking you away from your path your path, your only loyalty in this whole thing above any YouTuber, above me, is to make progress in a gym. That is your only loyalty. If you make progress in a gym, you don't need to worry about anything else. So your first priority is to ensure you're doing the right amount of work to progress. Nothing else is important. Avoid falling into the trap of listening to arguments which are driven by emotionality and appeals to authority. Okay. Now, I, as I said, I believe in the beginning, you should definitely do what you need to progress and no more, okay? Because 
there is going to come a time where you need to add more volume to grow more. Now, this occurs and should occur by necessity. It's not something which needs to happen right from the beginning. Like none of my beginner clients are on moderate to high amounts of volume. They are all on low amounts of volume until it's a necessity to go up. And they'll all tell you that. I mean, we just I just finished um, uh, progressing uh, Rui, if he's, if he's watching, um, with his bench press. He stalled on a very low amount of bench press work per week, which was just two sets. I bumped up his bench pressing and he's improving. I've not increased the rest of his exercises because they're still moving along fine. So you go up by necessity. Remember, your only loyalty is results. So this happened with me as well. When I was younger, when I was just starting off training, I started in the year 2000. And over the first couple of years, I did a lot of things right. So I bulked hard. Um, I had lost about 50 pounds the previous year just through running and cardio and stuff. And then when I started actual training, I gained back 40. So over that course of that year, year and a half. So I did it right. I gained a lot of weight. And I was working with big, heavy compound basics in the right rep range of about six to eight. I was working hard on the basic exercises. Now, I was doing a very low amount of volume per week, probably about four sets per body part per week, no more than that. Now, what that gave me was some pretty good numbers and some pretty good development. So I got to that intermediate plateau where I was benching, I think, a couple hundred pounds, squatting 300 and deadlifting about 450, all right? So pretty decent numbers. Now, I hit a hard wall at that point, and there was nothing I could do to progress past that. Nothing in the realms of food or recovery or whatever else. And I actually went to the community of lifters who I was involved with at the time, and I asked them, look, this is where I've got to in just 18 months. I'm here. And by that time, I was already bigger and stronger than most of them in that community. And I said, look, guys, what do I do? Look, I'm 19 years old. I've hit this wall. I've tried everything. And I detailed everything that I did. And the overwhelming response was, Faz, you've hit your genetic peak. Just enjoy it now. That's it. You're done. So at 19, with a 200-pound bench, doing four sets per week, they unanimously told me, that you are done, you're finished, that's it, game over, you've progressed as much as you can, enjoy your spoils and take it easy for the rest of your life. Now, that is an example of an entire group of people aligning themselves to a religious, almost religious, zealous kind of belief that low volume is the way forward. Not one of them suggested I increase the volume, not one. So that was my story of when I needed to move up in volume because then I did move up and it went a lot better. Most people will, however, stay there. Most people who I've encountered are at the point where they've hit that wall, they've hit that intermediate, early intermediate plateau, and they are just stuck of ideas of what to do. Mostly because of a lack of knowledge and a lack of belief in themselves. So for the most part, people will go onto YouTube and they'll be told a lot of the wrong things. They'll be said, look, your intensity is the main thing to worry about. And they will, they will be forced into believing that all the other factors like sufficient volume are unimportant. So there's this hidden message with a lot of the low volume advocates and a lot of the train harder guys is training hard is the only thing that's important. The volume is completely unimportant, but it's just not true. At a certain point, if you're training really hard, but on a low amount of volume, the only way to get more stimulus is to do more volume. It, it's exponentially more stress. It's exponentially more stimulus. 
there's only so hard you can train on four sets per muscle group per week, but you increase that to eight or six even in the first instance, that's exponentially more stress and stimulus on the muscle for it to then respond and grow. And you will need to do that at a certain point. So most of you, most people who I talk to are stuck in that early intermediate range because they have been made to believe that it is effort over anything else, including volume. And they've been blackpilled into believing that that's about as far as you can go. And you're not going any further because you don't try hard enough. When in actuality, that's not the case. You've just been told the wrong things, just like I was, right? Just like I was. I know the position you're in. I was there 22 years ago now. I was there. I was being told, all you need to do is try harder. You are at your limit. All those lies, which I later very quickly disproved by exploring alternate training methods and actually looking at what what um, powerlifting and Olympic lifting science actually tells us to do, which is to do more volume. That is the way it is. A lot of you guys are listening to people who have no background in any kind of culture to do with strength. They are casuals in an unregulated industry who haven't achieved anything. And that's why you're being led down this garden path of plateaus. So you will need to up the volume at some point. You might be able to do everything right, but at some point you will need to do the volume, up the volume, but it must be done by necessity. So at that stage, you would ramp up the volume slowly, incrementally, and see where you land. Now, there is going to be a point where you will start to see results. And again, the principle of doing the least necessary still applies. A lot of people think I'm a high volume advocate, but I'm really not. I'm always, an I'm always an advocate of doing the appropriate amount of volume. But the thing is, I am a lot more open to increasing that volume over time because once again, I am only loyal to results. I don't have, I don't have any loyalty to high volume or low volume camps. I literally don't care. When I was coming up, it was not even a conversation. Because again, like I told you, we didn't even know how to count volume. We didn't know what we were doing. We just did programs. But so I have no allegiance to being high volume or low volume. I just don't care. Now, the next question is, what if you've done all that, you've increased your volume, and you're progressing, you're an intermediate, everything's going great, but you are in the prime of your life, or maybe you're, you're past your prime, and you want to make up for the past, and what if you want to maximize your progress? Okay, so maximizing the progress may mean maximizing the number of sets that you can do. So the question arises, well, what is the cap? And I'll say at this point, I am not an advocate of finding your maximum cap. I don't believe it's necessary. Do what you need to do to gain consistent results over time, and that's it. And that's normally a moderate amount of volume. So what will stop most people to finding the absolute maximum cap will be regression, getting hurt, or quite simply just giving up because it's too intrusive to their lives. They have jobs, they have families, all that stuff, right? Now. It's commonly stated that there are three ranges for volume per week. So you have the ineffective range, that is less than you need to progress. Then you have the effective range, that is the range which is quite large of where you can progress. And then you have the overtraining range. That's what's commonly cited. If you ever see you know, la volume landmarks, it is too little, too much, just enough, very much like Goldilocks and Three Bears. 
my interpretation is there's actually four ranges. I think there's four. I think there's ineffective, okay, and overtraining. Those two at the end are still applicable. But I think the middle range, which is effective, can actually be split into two. I think there's an effective range where you are safe and injury-free. And I will say there's also an effective range where you are bordering on picking up injuries over time. I know that because I've been there and I know people have been there. There is a range where you are still progressing in muscle mass and in strength, but you're picking up little aches and pains. That little zone, I think, is the danger zone, which is what should encourage us to stay on the low end, do just enough to progress. But again, your loyalty is progression. Make sure you're progressing. Make sure you're doing enough to progress. Make sure you see volume as a lever, as a variable. It's not just about working harder. It can be about working longer. That's a thing. When you've maxed out how hard you work, adding volume is a great way to get you growing again because it's exponentially more stimulus. So I'm always going to favor staying on the low end of what's effective. But where I differ from a lot of people online is that I'm a lot more open to increasing that volume to the point where you can grow again, okay? But yeah, you want to avoid that area where you're bordering on doing too much. You're still progressing in muscle, in strength, but you're picking up little aches and pains. It's the kind of thing you can get away with when you're younger. If you're in your 20s, you might be able to get away with it. Late 20s, maybe not so much, but early 20s, certainly. So, but avoid it, I think, for, the, for your long-term safety and health. You've still got a lifetime to train. So it's not going anywhere, okay? So those are the ranges. Um, now, I'm gonna give you specific recommendations at the end of the video. I have, if I keep looking over that direction, it's because I have a plan written down. Um, the next topic that I wanna discuss is that volume will, can and should naturally flow up and down over the course of your training career and just the months and the weeks. Um, it will flow up and down depending on your energy but also your progression. So for example, when you're really working hard and let's say you have done, let's say you're on 120 kilos on the bench press, so two and a half plates, right? And you're getting a set of eight, a set of six and a set of five. And you want to add weight to the bar. Now, if you add weight to the bar at that point, you, your reps might deteriorate so much that your sets become ineffective. So let's say you go from 120 kilos to 122.5 kilos. So an extra two and a half kilos, an extra five pounds. But that might just take your reps right the way down to say six reps and then five and then three reps. So that's not a good trade-off. In that circumstance, you might want to increase the reps and build the volume of it. See volume. I, th I, I would really encourage people to see volume as more of a fluid um, variable to use over training. It's something you can play around with. We play around with weight all the time. People add weight, take away weight, add reps, reduce reps, but sets is also a variable you can use to make sure you reduce the impact of an added weight, added weight progression. So let's take that example again. Let's say you go 120 for eight, three sets, eight, six, five. Now let's say you build that up. Let's say you build up that 120, rather than putting weight in the bar, let's say you build up to four sets. So all of a sudden, from 865, you're getting 11865. Okay. So adding two and a half kilos to those four sets 
is going to be a lot less impactful on your reps than adding two and a half kilos to those three sets. So you give yourself a bigger buffer. So in this way, you're utilizing volume as of up and down flow to enable you to add weight. And for those of you who are familiar with my eights, fives, and threes routine, that is what you're doing there in just a more formalized way. So use volume to allow you to add weight to the bar when it's comfortable, when you have sufficient proficiency in the, that on that weight, when you have done enough volume on that weight to make the next step up comfortable. Some of you guys will see this when you're doing smaller exercises like side laterals or um, barbell curls. A 2.5 kilo increase on a side lateral or a barbell curl is huge. It's massive. Now, you might want to ensure you're hitting a good three, four, five sets with that weight, with moderate reps before you add weight. So that way, the volume, it's fluid. It naturally flows up and down. You use it as a variable to help you progress. So it's not just a case of how much volume should I do? Let me know. Oh, you're doing three sets for an exercise. It's actually a fluid variable. That's how I use it. You know, I, I may well add some weight to the bar and my sets go down. And that's okay if I'm still getting some good sets in. Then what I would do is I would stick to that weight, build my volume up, build my sets up, build my reps up. And then the next um, incre uh, increment would mean I reduce the total volume again, and I would just flow up and down. Again, very much similar to my eights, fives, and threes, but you don't have to do it in such a formalized way. You can just do it in a much more fluid way. So that's the that point. Volume should naturally flow up and down. Okay, now I want to just discuss, finally, my general recommendations, what I've seen to be true for most people. Now, most of you heard that 10 to 20 sets per week is about right. I'm here to say that there's a lot of nuance with that. I don't feel like that is as clear cut as people think it is. And the reason is the majority of you won't be doing 20 sets simply for the reason that 10 to 14 is a much better range if you're training each body part once a week. If you're training each body part once a week, sorry, sorry, I'll say that again, 10 to 14 set, completely got that wrong, thinking ahead of myself, 10 to 14 sets if you're training each body part twice a week, okay? If you're so I think volume is tied to your frequency because it's a case of how many effective sets can you do per workout before you just get too tired. And the more workouts you have for that muscle, the more volume you can do. So for, a, for somebody who's training each body part once a week, which I wouldn't recommend, by the way, I think you can do more. I think the maximum should be five or six sets. Now, I think if you insist on doing 10 to 14 sets once a week, there is something massively wrong with your intensity or your execution. More than likely, your ego lifting, your form is crap, and you're just not targeting the muscle. I can destroy each muscle with five sets, four sets even. And I try and I try and stay between four to eight sets per muscle group per session, and then about double that per week. So as a general rule, because most of you will be working each body part about twice a week, because most of you will be doing probably an upper-lower or some kind of split where you train each body part twice a week. If you're more dedicated and you're doing your training six days a week, even then you're probably still only training each body part twice a week because you might do a push pull legs or a torso leg split. So twice a week, 10 to 14 is almost perfect. Now you might ask, well, Faz, what about the higher rep range, higher sets and ranges? What about 15 to 20? 15 to 20 is if you're training the body parts 
multiple times per week, more times, so three times. You don't do, you don't do t 20 sets if you're training a body part twice a week. That's too much. It's too much per session. It means your sets were bordering on junk volume. It's, it's way too much. Stick to those like five or six to eight hard sets per session, which will translate to, I said 10 to 14, roughly in that range, 10 to maybe 16 per muscle group per week. That is about right for twice. And I do believe a frequency of about twice a week is about right. I'll, I'll talk about frequency in a separate video, but um, because it's an interesting topic, the volume is tied to the frequency. What a lot of people don't understand about the 10 to 20 recommendation and is that the, the top end of that range, it's not meant for people who train each body part once or twice a week. It's meant for people who train each body part three or more times per week, which most of you aren't doing. Now, if you follow my wizard routine and you're able to advance to the stage two and stage three, then you can do more effective volume. And that's why it's so effective. It's such a good routine. But for the majority of you, you're going to be satisfied with training four times a week on something like an upper lower or at least some split where you work each body part twice a week whatever you want to call it okay and for that reason something between 10 to 16 sets is about right something in there is about right and again the higher end of the rep range higher end of the set range 15 to 20 really should only be reserved for people who are training the body parts three times a week if you are if you are looking at the research of 10 to 20 and saying you want to do 10 sets every session you're doing way too much that's too much you are going to be you are going to be sacrificing the intensity you put out just to do just to fulfill some kind of arbitrary volume requirement because you misinterpreted the research you misinterpreted what people are saying so that's the clarification those 10 to 20 set recommendations are tied to low end and high end frequency or how often you should be lifting they are not just a blanket recommendation so Right, folks, um, going to give you my final thoughts just to wrap things up. I think it's a really um, complex issue, which I think is very misunderstood. Um, as always, I'm more, I, I end up in the middle simply because my priority is getting results. When I, was a, when I was an athlete, when I was a competitor, my priority was getting results. Now I'm a coach, my priority is getting results. I have zero allegiance towards any low volume or high volume camps, just like you should. Once again, your only loyalty is getting you results. Time is ticking. You don't get it back. So just do what you need to do to get results. Bear in mind what I've said about using a minimum amount of volume to progress, making sure you look past people who say it's just about working harder. Make sure you realize that volume is a lever you can pull and also making sure you realize volume is a, is a tool you can vary up and down to allow yourself to lessen the impact of load increases. Because remember, it's still about load increases. You've still got to get stronger over time or demonstrate you're getting stronger. And my, my general recommendation for most people who are training body parts twice a week, which they should be doing, is about 10 to 16 sets. Okay, folks, all the best.